welcome to the Continent of Resistance, a podcast with interviews and discussions on labor movements across Asia. Hello and welcome to the episode eight of our podcast. We'll be speaking with our guests about the Labor Party in Indonesia and both the sort of potentials and contradiction of of this political project. But before that, how are you doing, Kyung? We haven't been recording for a while. Well, what's been happening? Hi, Kevin, and hello to our listeners. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's winter time, you know. <laughs> And almost the end of the year, I think it's right. time, yeah, when we reflect on our work at least, you know, right. this year, right? How are you? I'm doing well. I am curious about your trip to India last month. You spent a few mm-hmm. days at the conference. Can you talk tell us about what the conference was about and yeah, what you saw at the yes. at the conference? Yes, sure. Yeah, I I went to Trivandrum in. The state of Kavila, right? Yeah, so it was around the end of November, early December. So the conference is called uh, the Root of Resist. Uh, sorry, the Root of Resilience, mm. <laughs> not not resistance. <laughs> the Root of Resilience, and this conference organized by mainly by two organizations: right. uh, the Platform Cooperative Consortium and IT for Change in India. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, th- this idea of of platform cooperatives ha- have been attracting a lot of interest. Uh, I think over the last few years, like what from your perspective, what what is it and why is it interesting? Right, I think th- yeah, I think the main idea, the basic underlying idea is because you know the the platform or digital economy is as we as we have seen it right so exploitative and uh, extractive right mm-hmm. so a lot of people are thinking about alternative so what could be an alternative or a way to to change this right while the technology right. is you know everyone agrees on the advantages of the, the technology right? right so we a lot of people scholars activists you know are thinking of uh, combining the principles of cooperatives which mm-hmm. are you know, ancients, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone know they're great with the digital platform or mm-hmm. the digital technology. So in a sense, it's a way to to turn it around, to make it, make this economy more just and, you know, better for environment, right? And you you gave a talk about your own work there as well, right? Can, can you share a little bit what, what you spoke about there? Yeah, I well, a lot of people talked in this conference. <laughs> there were a lot of sessions that people shared. So I was in one of the sessions that uh, talked about research, right? The the, mm-hmm. the so I was my focus actually was on integration of digital platform and platform cooperatives in the labor movements mm-hmm. with the labor movement. So I was talking about you know, the potentials of, of platform cooperatives as a tool, especially as organizing tools for people who, like us, working with the labor movement or with the goals of building collective power. Right. So it was focusing on that and talking about some of the research agendas. 
that I envision for the near future. And if I can ask, you know, in terms of the, the practical use of, let's say, something like the digital platforms or the platform cooperatives or for workers or for strengthening or empowering workers, have you, I don't know, in your work, in your observations, are there, right. to an extent, are they, have they been proved useful or is it something still people are exploring. Right. I think well, there is a lot of pot- potentials there, right? For example, in the past few years that we, Just Economy and Labor Institute, worked with, has worked with gig workers in Thailand, you know, time and again, it's been brought up by workers themselves that it is really important for them to have ownership, right, or control over the tools or over this means of production, over this, right. this instrument, right? You know, that's been used by the platform companies or by the capital. I think in the short term, I think it has been proven that uh, platform cooperatives can be instrumental to, you know, helping workers to tackle, you know, uh, the, the hardship or exploitation. And But I think, I think the more important question is about the long term, right? right it's about right. how... Not only can workers get by or, you know, show resilience in this digital economy, but how do they build the power and maybe turn this into a political movement, as you said? Right, right. That is, I think that's more challenging and it requires more, you know, a collective, like think collectively together, not only within the movement, but cross movements. And that that is, right. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why this conference is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, also make a small announcement about the symposium we have just put together. Speaking right, of conference. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, you know, both Kian and myself have been back in the US for the last few months. And so we have been thinking about things that we can do in the U.S. to promote exchanges and dialogues mm-hmm. between labor movements in the U.S. and in Asia. So, yeah, I, I think this is something, it, you know, we are both very interested in. So, yeah, I mean, do you want to tell us we're, a little bit about the... We're the really excited about this. Uh, in January 2024, we, I don't know if we, we should talk about the date or renew yet. It's been finalized right? So January 18th. We, yeah, January 18th at City University University of New York, a school of labor and urban studies. So CUNY SLU will be, will be the host organizations and right. with collaboration, in collaboration with Asian Labor Review, Just Economy and Labor Institute, In These Times magazine and Indo Progress, which is a magazine, Indonesian magazine, a political yeah. in Indonesian magazine, right? So why don't you talk about the title? I think it's, uh, I think it came up with the title. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think so. We call it the Global Labor Movements in Dialogue, Strikes and, and Political Strategies in the Asia, in the US and in Asia. Uh, we'll post more information on mm-hmm. the Asian Labor Review website in a few days time. But yeah, the event will be on January 18th in person. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the, the the ideas behind this is very often when we think about international solidarity work, we may invite organizers, activists from, let's say, Asia, and they may come to the US or Europe, and they talk about their struggles, which is always, of course, inspiring to hear. 
but it doesn't always lead to deep dialogues. I think very often the the trade union organize trade union leaders and organizers in in the U.S. or in Europe express solidarity and sympathies and support, but that that is not always the, the same as a deep conversation. Right. So we have to think: okay, how can we actually structure the conversation in a way that it actually promotes kind of deep engagement on equal kind of footings? That you know, in terms of what kind of questions are organizers and union leaders and activists are you know are thinking about in both in the US you know and also in in countries in Asia so that's kind of the right. momentum or or the you know we had a great i think we have a great lineup of speakers both who are involved in Asia and in the US and there there will be sessions where we will focus on potentials and limitation of strikes, you know, the role of trade unions in using strikes and the political future of the labor movement in relationship to to political parties like Labor Party, which is a topic that we feature in, in this episode, right? So what we're trying to do, as you said, not only to have people from Asia and U.S. talking about what's going on, but going to a deep conversation and thinking collectively about how to build solidarity in the future after this. Yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly right. Any long-term sort of solidarity or meaningful solidarity should be based on very sort of deep understanding of each other's struggle, right? And it very often takes time to gain that understanding. I think, I think this mm-hmm. is one of, the, one of the many, many small steps that we can take right. To, right. to deepen our understanding of each other's struggle. And of course, it's, you know, it's, a, it's at a time when the U.S. labor movement is seeing a lot of exciting development, right? Uh, right. Strike waves and in, in many, many sectors. So it should be an interesting event. Great, yeah. So if our listeners are around New York City, you know, I'll encourage, you know, y- those of you who are around here to stay tuned and wait for the information. I would love to see everyone there at the events. You know, both of us will be there and some of the uh, contributors to the ALR will be there as well, you know, talking. And we are trying to build connections and reaching out to other groups that are doing similar work in the U.S. as well. So we will right. be really happy to make that connection. Yeah, and definitely say hi to us if right. you are a listener of, of this yes. podcast and can come to the symposium. Yes, speaking with the symposium speakers, so actually one of the guest speaker today for this episode is going to be one of the, the speakers at the symposium. So his name is Mohammed Rida. So he is actually someone I met a few months ago in Indonesia. He's a member of the Labour Party in Indonesia. And so next year, early next year, February, is the next general election in Indonesia. And and Rita is, is standing as a candidate of the Labour Party for the election. He wrote a piece for AR a month or so ago called The Labour Party and the Class Politics in Indonesia, a analysis from within, in which he grapples with both the potentials and contradictions of, of Labour Party as a political project, for someone as a radical leftist, both the challenges within the parties and within the party and also <clears throat> in relation to the state. So 
Yeah, Kian, what do you take away from that conversation with Rito? The conversation that we had, you know, it's really, really interesting. Before I read his article, I actually didn't know uh, much about the Labour Party at all. You know, I think one of the takeaways for me was to, I think, to to kind of think about think about sustainability of the of the Labour Party, right? Okay. While at the same time, you know, the political party like this has to compete in in existing political process and you right. know try to win seat or gain some space in the electoral politics at the same time they they have a lot to offer in terms of in terms of building economic justice or right. you know reforming the existing policies yeah it's a challenge i think it's it's really challenging for the alternative political party to do that what about you kevin yeah i think i think the the biggest takeaway from for me from the conversation is just how challenging it is both you know within the party because there are many so many different organizations that are part of the, of the labor party and different i suppose factions the more moderate and also the the more radical so there are already tensions within the party in terms of the kind of program they are pushing forward and of course on top of that when you try to gain uh, state power, you'll come up against money interest that have every mm -hmm. reason to oppose a party that, that try to represent the working class. So I, I think that's, that's many challenges. Yeah, so here is the interview. Hi, Rito. It's uh, it's really uh, great to have you on uh, our part podcast. I think we first met uh, a few months ago in in Jakarta, Indonesia, when a Asian Liberal Review did an event, and then we have another conference together. And on top of that, you also wrote a very long piece about the Labour Party in Indonesia for Asian Liberal Review. But uh, let's start with sharing a little bit about yourself. What's your background? What are you doing right now? And also, how did you come? to the left and the labor movement in Indonesia? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, Kevin and Kriang. It's really a pleasure for me to share my knowledge about leftist movement, particularly labor movement in Indonesia. Yeah, so for the introduction, so how can I come to this labor movement stuff? So actually, it, it starts from my undergrad experience. So I was coming from... You can say that middle-class family, and unfortunately, my family is not really wealthy in terms of, yeah, it's not really wealthy. That, that's one of the reasons why I kind of have this sympathy towards left aspiration, leftist aspiration, right. which they mostly aspire to promote more equal, more just society, right? I mean, I started to involve seriously with the leftist movement, particularly the labor movement, actually in 2010, if not mistaken. So at that time, I just kind of... So this is the, the story. So on to, I graduated from my university, and at that time, I kind of start to think 
as a pragmatist, I want to become, let's say, a white-collar employee, right? White-collar worker in which the aim is to become a high middle class, etc., etc. But then it's kind of struck me after I experienced that kind of, that kind of thing, I just thought that it's kind of impossible for me <laughs> to become a really successful white-collar worker. And at, at 2010, I decided to quit from my job as a banker, actually. And then I decided to return to, to the academic world, which fortunately, some of my friends asked me to join to university-based research institute. And after I joined the university, I also become more politicized and I started to join a leftist organization at that time named PRP, Working People's Party. Yeah, and, and since that, I become part of the leftist movement until now. As you may know, I also was a PhD student at Northwestern University. I'm doing my PhD on political science. And on 2022, I started to doing my field work which basically I have to do doing interview in order to gain data and information needed for my dissertation. But then history knocks me up. I mean, at the time, the labor movement, particularly coming from the moderate wing of the labor movement, successfully consolidated their base. And yeah, they successfully consolidated their base and establish an electoral political party in which my party, uh, Working People's Party, has the same aspiration, right? So from 2010, even until 2000, before I left Indonesia to continue my study, 2018, I spent my life, my time, my everything, just try to ensure that the working people has their own party to involve in electoral system. But then what whatever happened, we failed to establish that. But then there's another chance with this moderate wing of the labor movement in which they are finally succeed to establish the party. So that's one of the reasons why I consciously decide to join the labor party because I just thought that yeah, this current conjuncture when the working class really in a dire need for a certain reform in order to enhance their political organization, I think it is imperative for us to have our own political party in order to, let's say, intervene towards the state in order to create such reform or change that important to enhancing our movement, right? That's fascinating. And, uh, you know, you're also offering a particularly interesting perspective because you are running yourself as a candidate in the election. So, so can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a candidate and what do you need to do to campaign for your election? Yeah, so the things that I kind of see really important to compare to what happens in the US, I mean, one of the reasons why I decide to not only engage to become the member, but also become a candidate 
from these parties because I kind of inspired by the U.S. In, in experience, particular idea about uh, electoral class struggle. I mean, your idea that put electoral contestation as a space for propagate and agitating the agenda of the working people. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to become a candidate. And I kind of used this, that kind of perspective in my uh, position right now. So when you ask me, how does it feel? It, the candidacy process in Indonesia is quite problematic. I mean, there's a lot of money politics there. If you don't have money, you definitely cannot compete significantly, particularly in order to to meet the people and have a conversation with, with them because uh, because of the nature of the capitalist development and also the nature of bourgeois politics in Indonesia, people kind of tend to be pragmatic when they see or meet a legislative candidate like me. They rarely ask about my program because previously, whenever candidate try to reach them, they always say many good things, right? Program agenda, which also might be resonate with my program as well. So that's why they rarely ask me what my program, they they definitely will directly ask me, how much money can you give me? Something like that, right? So that's, that's really challenging situation, but also illuminating. I mean, although they kind of this kind of hesitation to be have meaningful interaction with me as a candidate. But when I have a space, I mean, to speak with them, I think there's a chance to have really meaningful conversation. So although they start with this silly question about the money, but then let's say, uh, if I quite consistent with, with them to ask them about the problem, ask them about what kind of issue that that you want me to raise? I think I find many experience in which they started to to feel comfortable with me to talk about more about the program in agenda. So yeah, so money politics definitely a challenge for me. But then if I have the patience, yeah, definitely there's some opportunity for me to be to can have more meaningful interaction with the grassroots or the people during my candidacy, in which I think really important as part of political education. Right. Um, in, in your piece, I think one of the most in- interesting things for me is that you talked about the party in such a way that shows that the, the party is not actually lytic, right? The party mm-hmm. has, you know, as, as you said before, you know, it, it was founded by 11 people's, people's organizations, and some of them are uh, trade unions. And there's also, I think, uh, internal dynamic that is really interesting, where there is, you know, from what you said, a combination of moderate and progressive or radical, right? Mm. I, yeah, I wonder if you could give us an idea of how the party is presented or how party present itself to the public, right? So what's the main platform? And from the within, what are the differences or, you know, what are the the main opposing kind of agendas from the within, you know, that, that you see? Is that 
Does it make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever we try to present ourselves towards the public, we always expose ourselves as a reformist party. I mean, our main agenda is to promote social economic reform, right? So that's why we put wel- welfare state as our main goal for the politics. And we believe that wel- welfare state as a state that oriented towards people's welfare in which state has the capacity not only directing the market, but also directing the economic process in order to provide prosperity for their own people, something like that. So we, and interestingly, this kind of idea kind of challenge current existing power relation in which Indonesia, and I, I think it's not really uniquely Indonesia, but also happens the many other countries in which our political system kind of dominated by oligarchic power, which they tend to have tendency towards uh, against social any kind of social economic reform. So you can say that although our party present themselves as a reformist, in current conjuncture, you can say that our party become the expression of the dissent towards the existing uh, power relation. So yeah, that's how we present ourselves uh, towards the party. But then when we are talking about how our own member see the party itself, I think we kind of feel that this is a party in, in the process, right? It's kind of what E.P. Thompson called as a class in the making, right? We still searching our own soul, <laughs> right? Because many groups within the party kind of, they know what they want to aim, but they don't know how to achieve it, right? So you can say that although everyone in the party agree that social economic reform is the paramount agenda, we don't have any, let's say, consensus about how to achieve it. So that's why within the party itself, we still uh, manage to have plenty tendency. We still find the tendency that like a more conservative or moderate wing in, in which they Say in which they see that in order to social economic reform, we still have to engage with the elite power. While me and my comrade in the socialist wing or progressive wing thought that it's really impossible to encourage reform if we, let's say, accommodate the elite interest. So we still have a debate on that. But aside of that, we kind of agree that in order to achieve social economic reform, it is important for the Labour Party to have seats in the government, in the parliament. So that's the the only thing that kind of bind us together. Aside of that, many debate, many discussion about how to achieve it. And I think that's really healthy for a new party like Labour Party because in the end, those who have the better argument has the possibility to direct the, the party, right? Although right now, currently, the let's say the moderate wing is the main dominant element within the party itself. But then 
yeah, since we still try to find our methods, yeah, it's it's still an open space for us to influence other tendencies. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite interested to hear a bit more about the main uh, fault lines or the main disagreements between the more moderate and the more progressive wings within the Labour Party. Uh, you already mentioned whether to work closely with the elite. and But can you, maybe for, for our listeners who are not familiar with some of the internal debates within the Labour parties and the sort of really major disagreement, can you just give us a couple of examples where there's a major fundamental disagreement between the more moderate oh, and the more progressive? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the current presidents of deciding who will be the presidential candidate that needs to be supported by the party can be u- useful as the instance to understand the division within the party. So for the moderate wing, they see that in order to survive in current electoral system, you have to have relation with other elite, right? And those elite groups, they have their own presidential ca- candidate. And one of the candidates in which all quite influential right now is Prabowo Subianto, have you heard him? He was an ex-general with really dark past le- legacy in which they, in which he used to kidnap students, activists, and then because of our unfinished reform, he successfully continued his political ca- career in Indonesian politics. And this guy, interestingly, is being supported by current president Jokowi in which because he was he is seen as a figure that that has commitment to continue the agenda of president Jokowi and yeah the, uh, since of this influence this guy started to persuade many labor parties a base i mean labor party affiliated organization in which like we have last time internal survey, his name is quite popular among among our base, and yeah, that's that's been the key of disagreement uh, between us, the progressive and the moderate wing, because we just thought that as uh, really progressive uh, forces, current progressive forces in the electoral system, you should not support a figure that has uh bloody track record right you better to be to be abstained rather than <laughs> to support uh, such kind of figure and other uh, presidential candidate named ganjar pranowo he was coming from the party that support the omnibus bill in which basically a bill that deteriorate many workers right that promoted by President Jokowi, and during his promotion, the party of uh, PDIP, Democratic Party of Indonesia struggle, become one of the major parties that support this bill. And this party decided to nominate Ganjar Pranowo, in which also quite popular among our base. So yeah, this struggle related to the constraint that we have within the electoral system in which in order to survive, not only in terms of surviving the 
competition, but also with regards to the logistics. I mean, when your party decide to support one of the candidate in the presidential nominee, definitely this figure will provide you some resource, right? In which I think will be important for you to to doing your campaign, definitely. And that's one of the reasons why the moderate wing feels that it is it is important regardless of the the problem that current nominee nominees had yeah you still have to make a choice right because your party can have certain benefit from it you're listening to the continent of resistance Yeah, I, I I like to um to stay with this question of strategies for a little bit, and I, I and I want to hear from your opinion. What do you think about these strategies? Uh, if the moderate strategies of you know collaborating or siding with the elite is mm-hmm. not the way to win the election, but also you know the, I think in your piece it's kind of suggests that the political party with the work of the labor party is not only to win but to build the party in the long term, right? To kind of sustain the party itself mm. beyond the, the election cycle. So what what would be the strategies that the progressive wing suggests, both in terms of, you know, winning and sustaining mm. the party? So not really strategies. I, I mean, our strategy is to establish the welfare state. But the in terms of tactics, I think it is important for the element of the progressive of the progressive side of Labour Party to be more apparent. I mean, the problem with what what we assess as a socialist within the Labour Party is what, whenever those who join, whenever progressives decide to join a party, they usually rarely express themselves apparent towards the public. So I think... The main tactics that we, I think, important in this kind of struggle is to become more apparent towards, towards the public, to be more visible towards the public, to make sure that the public knows that within the Labour Party, there's a existing progressive or socialist wing. And that can become, let's say, a buffer, I think. So let, let's say in a scenario that the uh, Labour Party decide that they have to side towards a presidential elite candidate, at least for us, the socialists, we have to make sure that our position is visible and we have to make sure that within the party itself, the leadership allows us to become not about opposition, but as a critical element within the party that allows to propagate their position towards other groups. So yeah, in terms of tactics, I think we just want to make sure that our position to be heard by everyone, to be heard by the public and also by other members. And that kind of things can become the, a, a buffer, I think, for the for the 
progressive within the parties and also the progressive outside the party. So yeah, it's really tough situation, I know. But if we have that kind of space, critical space within the party, I think we can become an important element within the party that can make correction to the decision that's coming from the current leadership. Yeah, this is this is super interesting, the debate within the party. I also want to ask about the, the relationship between the, the Labour Party and the broader trade union movement and labor struggles in Indonesia. As you said, there are differences of opinions within the Labour Party in terms of the program, the demands, maybe the, the strategies, the way to get there. I'm also wondering to what extent the broader trade union movement and the workers in general are supportive of those demands because you know you can have the best of political argument but without uh, the backing of popular movement to push for those demands to back up your positions you know you may not translate still it may not translate into political power so can you tell us a bit more about the relationship between the party and the broader labor movement so you can say that the relationship between the party and the labor movement kind of have really good relationship in terms of informal relation. I mean, many of the members of the broader labor movement kind of sympathize with our agenda. But then, the problem then, many of these members cannot translate their sympathy towards more official position from their own organization. And one of the reasons is because there's a tensional relationship between the progressive and the moderate wings. I mean, yeah, the radical or progressive labor organization, they have this kind of suspicion towards the moderate labor organization because they just thought that the moderate labor movement, they tend to become too pragmatic and just too close to the elite position. And if you may know, in 2014, the current the biggest element within the labor party in which kspi in which also a moderate labor organization they tend to they decide to side with the nomination of prabowo subianto in which as i mentioned before is a quite problematic figure and that becomes the reason why it's really hard for the let's say many radical labor organizations to have really an, a formal close collaboration with the moderate wing of the labor movement in which become the leadership of the labor party. So, yeah, you can say that in terms of informal re- relation, they have sympathy, but at the formal level, it's really kind of fierce competition between the moderate wing and the radical wing in which makes the support of the broader labor movement towards the labor party. It's kind of not really smooth, I think. So I I think this is interesting. There's an interesting question about the the level of also militancy in, in the Indonesian labor movement. I think for background, you know, there was a huge wave of labor strikes and struggles in a decade ago, right, in 2012, 2013, 14, mm-hmm. where, you know, obviously when workers organizing and, and going on strike, it signals a certain level of, of militancy and radicalism. How do you evaluate the level of radicalism or militancy 
of the current labor movement in of current workers and labor movement in Indonesia? Do you feel now the it's a little bit less, you know, workers are l- less militant than say like a decade ago? And what does that mean, for example, for supporting, you know, for the popular worker support for Labor Party program? Yeah, I think in terms of political space, you can say that there are less spaces that labor movement have right now because many avenues that used to be used by the labor movement can no longer be used. I mean, like the wage struggle and also, yeah, I think the the wage struggle itself, I mean, it's become shrinking because the central government decide to centralize the decision of, of weights in by themselves. And I think that's one of the reasons why the struggle of the labor movement in Indonesia, you can say experiencing some sort of decline, right? But then interestingly, in terms of struggle beyond the conventional interests of the labor movement, you can say that there's there is some improvement. I mean, I think that's really an important thing that to be noted. If in 2010 until 2013, the militancy of the labor movement related to the agenda of labor issues, right? Labor rights issues. But then due to the shrinking space of the labor's agenda, Interestingly, the labor start to become more creative in promoting their agenda, right? And that's one of the reasons why they decide to go beyond the factory and go to the public. So that's why after 2013, we find this experience called Go Politics among, among the labor movement. Although, interestingly, this kind of experience initiated by moderate labor organization in which then become the main initiator of the Labour Party. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why before the Labour Party established, we find a massive, really massive mass mobilization takes place. I think before around 2019 until 2023, in which related not about labor right issues, but related to the public issues like in 2019, we have mass demonstration against the weakening of KPK, of anti-corruption body by the President Jokowi. But then in 2020, we have this mass demonstration against the omnibus bill. So you, you can say that, yes, in terms of the labor move, you, you can say in terms of labor movement in the field of labor rights issue, you, you find some some sort, of, some sort of decline. But then other things related to more public issues, I think you can say that the aspiration of the labor movement starting to gain influence among the public, I think. So yeah, that's the interesting thing uh, about the labor movement in Indonesia because they can, they can have a way to overcome their limitation, I think. <laughs> right. And, and you openly identify yourself as a socialist. And obviously, Indonesia history uh, it has a history of, of a difficult history with Marxism, for example. And I'm wondering what that means right now under the current political environment 
for you and for others to openly identify as socialists and I guess pushing for a more radical program. Do you see that as politically risky or do you, do you think that's, do you have politically, you have the space to, to put forward a socialist program? Yeah, interestingly, our political agenda, all, although have this shared value with socialism, but we always say that we are not communists. <laughs> I mean, this communist lab- label is the most problematic things for us. So I rarely call myself as a communist in the public. And that's one of the reasons why we, as a tendency, rarely find problem in the at the grassroots level. Because interestingly, Indonesia, after the reformasi, after the fall of Suharto, there's a tendency towards the rehabilitation of the idea of socialism. I mean, because if you because of this tendency among the young people and they started to read history and they find that even under Sukarno we have this idea of Indonesian socialism in which they started to feel that and many leftist figure in Indonesian history fortunately they call themselves as a socialist right they although the communists also call themselves as socialists, but there's a tendency towards the rehabilitation of the idea of socialism itself. So I think that's the space that we have right now. Although, yeah, there's still some tension about this idea because if you go to other groups in the society like the right-wing Islamic fundamentalist groups, they de- definitely will, will see the association between the socialism and communism. But fortunately, this kind of association only emerges on those groups. But among the broader element of the society, they just see that, yeah, socialism is different with communism. So that's the important political space that, that we have that we can exploit. But in terms of Marxism, that's also, yeah, we have this kind of gray area there because in terms of the legal aspect, the state mentioned that you're not allowed to spread Marxism-Leninism, <laughs> right? Because it equal, equals with communism, stuff like that. But interestingly, if you are, say, you are studying Marxism, you are allowed, right? <laughs> so that's the gray area that we have. And I think, interestingly, Whenever we use the lexicon of Marxism, we always use it in terms of not really, let's say, political, but more like conceptual analytical framework. And that's one of the reasons that's one of the reason why it's really easy to find Marxist lexicon among the public right now, because it doesn't wait any political substance there. It's only a way to understand how we can see the class conflicts that occur right now. So yeah, there's, although we understand that there's a legal political aspect that really limiting our maneuver, but still there's a gray area that we still can use in order to advance the agenda of socialism, I think. The economy the working class numerically it's if it's not a majority 
it's a significant or big minority of pe population, right, of the voting public. So, but at the same time, most of them are not voting for a, a party that represent their interests. Maybe, so my, my question is maybe going forward, you know, I think that there's election, but beyond the election, how do you think the Labour Party or, or this political project can bridge that gap between being a party representing the working class and the actual working class not voting for the party? How did you better bridge that gap? Yeah, we just thought that, yeah, interestingly, we define the wor- working the working class as really in a really loose definition. So whoever work for a wage, that's part of the working class. So I mean, because of this kind of loose definition, we can have easy conversation with other elements of the working class in Indonesia, which not particularly coming from the industrial sector, like the informal worker, the poor, the peasant, I mean, stuff, stuff like that. That's why our agenda of the working class, you can say that it's more similar to what Mao call as the people, right? Because it's it's more closely related to those who are marginalized from the political system, which make them unable to, which make them don't have any access towards the economic system itself. So yeah, for me, the thing is be tactical with your agenda. I mean, since we are practiced in a really concrete situation, it much better. It is really important to be uh, pragmatic in here. And I think because our definition is, yeah, it's quite inclusive. It's almost include everyone who has difficulties in in life right now. So yeah, I think that's the key. That's the method that, that we have to make sure that everyone can have a say within the project of the Labour Party right now. Great. Yeah, I think our last question is about the relationship between the Labour Party and broader international labour movement. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, can you share uh, with us uh, your, your yeah, idea or vision? So the thing is, because our organization consists of many labour organizations, they definitely have their own affiliation. In at the international level, right? So, like the moderate wing of the labor movement in in which in labor party is now KSPI, they have affiliation with the Social Democratic Union, something like that, and the radical element within the labor uh, party. I think they still don't have any affiliation. Right, so you can say that there's an the existing element of the Labour Party. They already have relationship with with other trade union organization, but in terms of the Labour Party itself, we still don't have any affiliation with any political organization. That's the thing that we want to develop right now. But the thing is, uh, we try to present ourselves as an internationalist organization. And this is really important. I mean, this aspiration not only coming from the radical, but also coming from the moderate wing of the labor organization within the Labour Party. 
because they just thought that particularly this social democratic influence coming, yeah, particularly the social democratic influence that shaped the the agenda of the moderate wing, they always try to encourage the moderate trade union to see the experience of Brazil with the worker party there, in which they thought that the labor movement in Indonesia. And I think that's a good sign because fortunately, the worker party, you can say it's a, some sort of center-left organization, right? And it also helps the conversation about the leftist idea, the socialist idea within the Labour Party because due to their interaction with other trade union, labor organization, labor movement in other places, they just start to see that, yeah, there's an element of socialism there that you need to embrace in which something that cannot be viewed before because they just thought that the agenda of labor movement because of their moderate tendency has to be different with the agenda of socialism, right? Yeah, so I just thought that that's really an important development within the labor movement because due to their interaction to other organizations outside Indonesia that started to think that you cannot neglect the aspiration of socialism because it's part of the agenda of labor movement itself. So that's why, interestingly, in Labor Party, one of the songs that we always sing while we doing our own Congress is Internationale. The international, right? In which uh, previously always viewed as a part of the leftist, socialist, Marxist identity. But then, because of their interaction, because of their let's say, mingleness with other organizations, they start to think, yeah, international is part of your legacy, so you have to embrace it. So yeah, that's really an important development in right, labor right. party. And I, I think there's another way in which the work you do, the Labour Party political project in Indonesia is relevant internationally is I, th- I think a lot of unions and labor movements globally have been struggling with contesting and gaining political power, right? So they they may be able to mobilize at workplace level or maybe even bring workers to the street to protest, but to be able to translate that, convert that into political power, either by Mm. entering elections or in other ways, gaining political power, state power to ensure that the working class is empowered and is protected. I think it is something that your experience is going to be relevant. Yeah. For others, right, globally. So, yeah. So, thank you so much. It's been a really fascinating conversation, and good luck with the with the election. I I know you are right now in the US, but you're still campaigning. Yeah, although I kind of have in a dilemma right now because if I successful in this nomination, I definitely have problem with my dissertation. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. Just let it be okay. Let's let's see how the history will pick me. Okay. Yeah. Really nice to talk to you guys. Thank you Kevin. so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. You have been listening to the Continent of Resistance podcast. You can download our latest episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
You can also visit our website at laborreview.org. See you until next time.